the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. What's cooking, ladies and gents? Welcome into the Lou Sports Talk Podcast. We have a great show planned out for you today as we we will be discussing the St. Louis Blues and how they fare against the Colorado Avalanche in round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. As well as that, the Cardinals are now over a month into the season. How do we feel about the start of the season? We'll be breaking that down later in the show. And as always, TJ will be leading us through the National Nine Talk. That's TJ Williamson. I'm Ethan Hannaford. We have a fill-in this week as Newbie. Big Poppy Gallegos, Brandon Gallegos, is not with us. He's not dead. He'll be back next time. But this week, stepping in to fill his big shoes will be also with little notice, our friend Dylan Hample, also known as Troy Landry 2.0. That, Ample, but for Ample. those that don't watch Swamp People, you probably don't because most people don't watch yeah. the, the History Channel. Dylan, how's it going? <laughs> What's up? Happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell the people who Dylan Hample is. Hello, Nice to meet you, everybody. Uh, <laughs> just finished my freshman year here at Linwood. I am 18, turning 19 this summer, and uh, I love St. Louis sports. Diehard Cardinals fan, big Blues fan. Um, obviously, root for Linwood sports here. And um, well, I'd hope so. <laughs> uh, NFL wise, a big Saints fan. Yeah, who that? Uh, yes, sir. Saints. Hey. hey now, hey. hey. We just got started. Give us, You're give us outmatched a break. in this one, buddy. You're outmatched. And not buddy. much of an NBA guy, but if I do, I root for the Nuggets because of my guy, Michael Porter Jr. Shout out, Mizzou alum. He's not gotcha. listening to this. Played a whole zero games for Mizzou. Whole three <laughs> games total. Dylan, you might not know this, but the Blues listen, so it's not out of it's not out of reach to say that Michael Porter He's might lying. listen. He's lying to you. Stop the cap. Stop, stop, stop the cap. All right, boys, let's go ahead and get into this. Dylan, thank you for joining us here on episode number five of the Lou Sports Talk podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it with some St. Louis Blues hockey talk. Obviously, exciting times here. Playoff sure. hockey is always fun, whether your team's in it or not, but it just gets ramped up when your team is in it. Round two is here. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs were hectic and wild, pun intended. Uh, The Blues were the second team to clinch a spot in round two after defeating the Minnesota Wild in six games. And now we'll face the top team in the West in the Colorado Avalanche. Before we get into, yeah, I know, shivers, exactly. Was that pun intended? No. Oh, come on. We can't. No, move on. on. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Before we go ahead and we get into the discussions on round two, let's go ahead and let's just... Pause. Let's recap round number one, the Blues. Um, Real quickly, before we get into some of these breakdowns of what went right, what maybe didn't go right, the Blues started off this series down two games to one at one point, and backs were against the wall, had some injuries on the defensive side. I believe at one point had four of six of their top defensemen out and ended up still coming through, winning the final three games of this series. We'll probably mention this a little bit, but Brandon, TJ, and myself had the opportunity, the pleasure to go to Game 6 together. Boy, was that. shout out to Papa Walt. Papa Walt, man, that was was the best part (laughs) of the night. That was the best part of the night. Shout out Papa Walt. Brandon might not be here, but he still gets the shout out. So it was an absolute blast getting to watch that. But overall, it was a fun fun series overall. The Blues... Um, I was very impressed with the Blues play. So let's go ahead and let's just start with this. TJ, what was the big thing that stood out to you when when you look at what the Blues did right in this series? Oh, I mean, I think you got to give hats off to Barube. I mean, he he outcoached he outcoached the Wild. 
And I mean, you you notice the Wild they they pulled their goalie probably the worst possible time with and giving us a chance to score on a goalie that we've had his number all year. And uh, going to Bennington at the right time, I think, is just really clutch. And then not to mention, uh, the Blues didn't have to change their identity going up a more against mm. a more physically dominant wild team. Yeah. They stayed who they are. They added a physical element, but they didn't They didn't change their identity. So. Yeah, yeah, we talked that, about that a little bit going into the series about how, Brandon especially, these were two teams that had very specific playing styles, and it seemed like the wild had almost switched playing styles compared to the last however many years, yeah. with the Blues. And the mm-hmm. Blues had become that quick-skating, pucks-on-the-net team. And they, like you said, that worked very well for them. Yeah, I, and going back to the the coaching, the management of the goalie situation, just couldn't understand it really with why Minnesota chooses to go with Cam Talbot for a for an, elim, for an, for an, eliminate, an elimination game, right? But I think that the, the surprising part about it was that, one, the Blues have absolutely dominated Talbot all year long. They scored six against him in the Winter Classic. They scored four against him in the first game at home for the Blues. And then I believe they scored five. Five or six. six yeah, they won six to five in, in overtime. overtime. Yeah. So And then they scored six the in the next game against him. So I was a little bit surprised that they ended up going to a guy that um, has had to, that the Blues have had his number all year long. And then mm. as well, he's been sitting for a week and a half. He hasn't played for a week and a half. If you're going to switch goalies, I don't think that – um, game five to game six is the time to do it. I imagine more so um, has to be a little bit earlier in the season or maybe after two straight losses like Barube did. Yeah, and if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, you're thinking, why do we even trade for Flurry if we're just going to drop him at the last minute when it matters the most? Yeah, a guy that has the experience with his, back's against, with his back against the wall. So, no, completely agree with those points. Dylan, how about you? Yeah, no, I think I would echo that. And I'd say just our big name guys performed well. Um, you know, our veteran presence with, you know, we have a mixed bag of experience and younger guys. And I think our big guys really came through. Uh, Perron in game one, obviously, with yeah. the hat trick. Ryan O'Reilly performed all the way throughout the series. Do the roar. Even Brandon Saad had a big goal in game six, that, or game five. That was the end of the second period. Can't overlook that. Yeah, that tied things up. Yeah. Yep. And then Big Daddy Vladdy, Natty Hattie. <laughs> Hold on. Can we go back through that I'm real gonna quick? Big Daddy Vladdy. Hattie. Natty. 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 Hattie. That's five. Natty Hattie. That's five different Is there any other things that rhyme with that that we can throw on? Batty? I don't <laughs> think we're allowed to say that on no. the on the air. Zaddy. No. We'll let the we'll let the we'll let the viewers. <laughs> I think, I think five's enough. <laughs> five's enough. Listeners. Okay. No, I, I think I I think that what you said right there um perfectly described the contributions from this team. While there is definitely other names that you could go back to, youngsters, the youngsters had a big part in it as well, but sure. At the beginning of the series, we talked about how important veteran leadership was going to be for this team, TJ. Oh, yeah. And veteran leadership ended up being a huge thing for the Blues uh, in this series. I think I'd have to agree with both of you, both uh, well-said things. And I think I, I, I go back to, once again, the goalie change. I just don't understand that. And I think that we you, you can remember this, TJ, when we, after the Blues lost game three. Yeah. We were down two to one at this point. Mm-hmm. And Uso had started the first three games. Yeah. And I didn't think, and I, I'd still say this, I don't think that Villy Huso looked bad in game three. I, I wasn't impressed with him in game two or game three. Obviously, he had the shutout in game one. Yeah. But it was more so our defense wasn't really performing in front of him, and, and that part of that had to do with the injuries. injuries. So, you know, we had the discussion of, do you? I, I'm staying with Huso. Yeah. He's been your guy for the end of the year. 
you stick with your guy. And you guys both said go to Bennington. Craig Bruby goes to Bennington. And, I mean, in that situation, it completely pans out. You stick, you go to a guy that has the experience, backs against the wall, and performed very well. I think it's really easy to look over what Bennington did towards the end of the year because he wasn't the number one starter, because he wasn't necessarily playing the best teams. Mm. But Craig, Craig, Jordan Bennington was absolutely phenomenal in this series. And if you, if you stack up reasons why the Blues ended up winning the series, a complete change of momentum happened when he started game four. Yeah, and honestly, for the future, I don't see it as a negative play if they go back to Houston at some point. Because, I mean, if you if you look at the trajectory throughout the entire season, Ryan O'Reilly, he was not really a factor scoring all that much. He was one of our top scorers, but he wasn't the main guy. And Actually, Billy, he was 10th in scoring on this he, team, right? Or 9th? Didn't he have 20? He, 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 he was one of the 20 plus. He was one of the 20 plus. But that's, so that's crazy, one of nine. isn't it? And and he, it's crazy. So and him, and then Huso was our main guy throughout the season. So it just goes to show, Ryan O'Reilly shows up when he needs to in the playoffs, and Jordan Bennington shows up when he needs to in the playoffs. But these younger guys, and Huso, a newer, not-so-household-name goalie, shows up throughout the entire regular season, carries us to our point, and now we let the legends, Bennington, uh, highest, winning highest, to, highest, yes. highest winning, highest winning amount, total. winning his goalie in, in yeah. Blues history. Yeah, yeah. in the playoffs. And Ryan O'Reilly being our captain, showing up when he needed yeah. to. Like I love it. Over Cujo, five goals, Mike Lee, five goals. Uh, O'Reilly, yeah, for the playoffs, had, five goals in the playoffs. Same with Perron. five goals, three assists. Wow, mm-hmm. eight, so eight points. Second on the team in points. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Throughout it, the series, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch him. It was fun to watch after a, a guy that. Here's the great thing about Ryan O'Reilly, and we'll we'll move on to yeah. this round two in just a moment, but. He's a guy that does what you need him to do. Mm. Um, he's most valuable right in the face-off circle, but like he can dis- he can distribute the puck um, when needed. And was he phenomenal on the power play or what awesome. in the series? He was phenomenal. So it was a lot of fun to watch um, him in the series as well as the the entire team. And they took care of a team that a lot of a lot of experts did not expect the Blues to win this series. Mm. In fact, mm-hmm. they were picking the Wild in six. Some seven. Keep sleeping on us. The mo- mo- exactly. <laughs> Keep sleeping. So um, it's gonna be fun. To watch round two, if it's anything like the Blues performed in round one. Now, obviously, it's a much taller task when you face off against a team like the Colorado Avalanche, who are the best in the West at rhymes. Also, I mean, you could argue the best in the league. Um, yeah. I thought they were going to win the President's Trophy most of the season. Now you look at this series of teams that don't like each other, right, um, that are play a similar style of hockey to a certain extent, but there are clearly some, I feel like, strengths um, favoring one team in this. Understandably, there's a reason they're the best team in the Western Conference. Um, So let's Mm -hmm. go ahead and let's just kind of get into this. Um, We'll start off with this. Based off of what you saw in round one Mm -hmm. from the Blues, is there anything that you feel like is a concern for St. Louis going into, if things stay that way, into round two? Yeah, I mean... I want to give hats off to the Wild, mainly Kaprizov. He is a phenomenal player. But the Avalanche specifically have, I don't know, maybe four or five Kaprizovs, it feels like. They just are loaded. They have they have so much more we'd have to defend against. And it took us six or seven games just to try to slow down Kaprizov. I'm just worried we're not going to have the defense to, to hold that out. Yeah, just to, to echo that. Kaprizov, like, just a quick shout-out. Yeah, that was an incredible series. Like, for him, he's going to be a thorn on our side for a long time, unfortunately. But, yeah, the Avalanche, they have pretty much up and down the stat sheet. Everyone on the roster is a threat, and um, the Blues are definitely going to have to bring their A game. And a concern for me is just trying to match up, like you said, with their star power, you know, defensively, especially if we still have guys hurt. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a hard-fought series, and, you know, 
Kale McCarr, Kale Salad McCarr. Um, <laughs> he, I don't remember what the tr- the award is for best defenseman in the league, the best attacking defenseman. It's not the Calder. I think that might be rookie of the year, but I think he's got that wrapped up. But yeah, um, McKinnon obviously. I think he said he's the yeah he's third most goals, third, third most postseason uh, goal scorer in NHL history. Minimum fifty games played. Minimum fifty games. One point three eight per goal or per game for goals. So yeah, and goals. also they're just a different play style. Like they're they're not physical and gritty the way the the Wild were. They're much more high flying, off the rush, and you know just a quick just. That's like what struck me the most watching their games this year is just how fast they play. Yeah, that the Blues are gonna have to keep up with very fast. And and you look at something that's at the feel like if we're if I'm I'll go ahead and I'll answer the question I asked first, which sure. is what am I the most concerned with from what I saw in in the Wild series in the series against the Wild, and ah. that is I would say the recklessness that the Blues played with at times oh my gosh. when. It was a little bit more, okay, the penalties are racking up. Um, it seemed like at times, um, for example, specifically in period number one of game six, the Blues could not get into a groove because they were on the penalty kill so much. The good thing is is the penalty kill right now is the best in hockey. It's the best of any teams in the playoffs. But the only difference is is you're going from a mediocre team on the power play to the best team in the league on the power play. Yeah. So the... The battle that the Blues are going to have to deal with is, okay, do you try to clean things up a little bit and stay at 5-on-5, or do you continue to play with that same chippy vibe that they they were playing with, and then now you're dealing with the best against the best, and you're not – you don't necessarily – you don't ever have an advantage when it's 5-on-4, like when you're the one with four, right? But – you feel comfortable with your penalty kill. I don't know if I'm feeling necessarily as comfortable when I'm looking at, okay, on power play line number one for Colorado, it's McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, and then power play line number two, you have Nazem Kadri, and then you have Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, guys like that on the defensive side that are two of the most productive um, defensemen in hockey. Redonk. So Redonk. I would... Redonk. Redonk. So I would prefer for the Blues to clean things up a little bit. Obviously, you're, I'm not asking for perfect hockey. There's going to be penalties that happen on either side, right? But we saw numbers from the Blues. Five penalties. Six penalties. Five penalties. Yeah. Seven penalties. I mean, they were, they were high numbers. You're going to want to get those numbers. Um, if we're leaning in more so the the three to four range, mm. I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable as to the play because mm. then you're able to get into a little bit more of a groove mm. in the five on five. Let's try to get, let's try to be a little bit optimistic about this. We were not the more physical team between us and Minnesota. Correct. We had to finish our checks. And if you're smaller than someone, you have to play a little bit dirtier. I would like to think that also the refs are throwing, they're throwing people in the box the re- for no the, reason the at re- this point. The, yeah, it's, it was ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. how much, uh, it, it, sides. There, there was a, there was a stat somewhere that the amount of, um, of penalties called in these playoffs had been higher than in the last, I think they said like 20 yeah. years or something like that. Yeah. And so there's a level of the play. <laughs> the lack of physicality that might come from the avalanche might actually suit us better because we'll be, I think, who knows, maybe a little bit more physical than they are, but hopefully the main goal will be let's just stay in front of them and not let them skate right past us. So. Mm. The next thing that I want to talk about, and I think something that could end up being really interesting is we saw this blues team um, wrap things up last Thursday night? Yeah. Yes. Thursday night, yeah. yes, Thursday night. Um, at that point, the Blues were the second team to clinch a spot in round number two. Mm-hmm. The Wild had already been off for two or three days. So the Wild are playing now, by the time we get started tomorrow night. A week? 
by the time that we get started on Tuesday night, the the Avalanche are going to be what? Yeah, basically a week off. A week long. So you you wonder if just going back on okay, how much of rest? The the conversation always is always rest versus rust. When does mm, it start to become? Yeah. It's off to a slow start. I would love to see the Blues take advantage potentially of uh, the – it's hard to say. It's not lack of chemistry, but it is just getting back into that group. I would love to see the Blues in a tough road atmosphere take advantage and steal a game in Colorado. If the Blues – Catch them sleeping. If the Blues don't win game one, then you're in trouble. Because yeah. game two, this team's going to start figuring things out. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado kind of came out with a little bit of a bump. Sure. If a little bit of a slow start, the Blues got to take advantage of that. Would you Would you agree with that, Dylan? Yeah, real quick, I just wanted to sound off on the concern real quick uh, from the last series, and then I'll cover that. But uh, I just wanted to say what concerned me was the amount of slot shots we gave up against the Wild. Like, Kaprizov had a lot of opportunities in the slot, but um, that's in the past now, but I just wanted to say that. Sure. Um, Definitely. Definitely. But, well, like it, real quick, it goes from when you're not when you're not playing nearly as physical in the middle in front of your goalie. For sure. Um, then it creates for those dangerous shots. So yeah, yeah. continue on. Yeah. So um, I would say yeah, there's a big opportunity, obviously, for the Blues to come out game one. I think especially like because during the regular season they were kind of known for first period they would come out really slow and look lackadaisical. But then in the playoffs, they really turned it on. You know, game one, we came out firing, you know, all throughout that series, really. And they really need to bring that this series, game one, like you said. For sure. And not to mention uh, the Wild, or sorry, the Avalanche are just a younger team than we are. Their average age for their team is 27.7, and the average age for the Blues is 28.57. It's not a huge mm-hmm. difference, but the veteran leadership we've said, even in the past, is what has gotten us to this point. And I think maybe the slight amount of inexperience or maybe the, the David versus Goliath aspect of this might make them just think, oh, we'll just take care of game one. And we just go out slapping the face really mm-hmm. quick. What if, you know, what if? 2021 so, revenge tour. Yeah. So <laughs> let's go ahead and let's move now into our predictions for this series. I'll go ahead and I'll start with, I'll start with, with Dylan. Dylan, sure. who you got in this one? I got Blues and seven guys. Uh, right. It's gonna it's gonna be a heck of a series. I think it's gonna surprise a lot of people, raise some eyebrows. But I took it game by game for predictions. But I don't have to go that far if you guys don't want. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the the uh, the importance will be coming out flying, like we said, and being able to you know stifle the Avalanche before they really get going in game one and um, protecting against their speed. And I really think people to have to look out for to have a big series are Buchnevich and Barbashev. I think we'll really step up and have a good series. That's my prediction. Yeah, the health has to come back. The health has to stay healthy. Mm. Um, I got the Blues in seven also. Yes, sir. Again, trying not to be biased. Trying not to be biased. But at the same time, I was fully Ethan, biased. Ethan and I have talked about this. I just got a new Roar jersey, Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> and I was told not to wear it specifically for the fact that I we've won every game I, we've we've played when I'm wearing this specific shirt, this blue shirt. And so, as far as I'm concerned, until I stop wearing that shirt, we're going to win the series. I, now, there's a really good chance we could lose in four. <laughs> I want to say that. I want I want to cover my bases. We could lose in four very easily. But I don't see that from this team. And I think Bennington's got the magic to carry us forward. I like it. I'm going to go ahead and even this, this blues train out a little bit. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Avalanche in six. Trader, no, that, it makes sense. Well, and here, here's yeah, the deal: makes, when yeah, you look sense. at everything that that lines up, yes, the Blues are playing really good hockey. When you when when you look at it 
matched up piece by piece. Our strength is our offense. Their offense is better than ours. Our defense is our weakness. Their defense is one of the best in the league. There are areas I think we could take advantage of their defense once you get past that top line. So I'm not saying that this is that there's no chance. I, I think the Blues still win two games in this series, but I find it very hard to believe that the Blues are able... If the Blues win this series, then I they're, they're the, they've got to be the favorites for the Cup because that's just a team playing red hot and just knocking off the best team in the league, arguably, right now. Um, but right now... I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to stick with Blues and Six. No, it makes sense. 100%. It makes total sense. Okay, Brandon sent in a clip of who his pick is, so I'm going to play that real quick. St. Louis Blues over the Colorado Avalanche in seven games, and here's why. I think they can steal one of these two games in Colorado. You have a Darcy Kemper coming back from injury. I think with our skill and speed that is different from last year, um, we'll be able to put some goals up on the board, steal a game in Colorado, and win this series in seven games. There's talks that Scandella and Krug are both going to be making a return. So having all six healthy demons. I like the St. Louis Blues, including a hot goaltender play by Jordan Bennington. I have the Blues in seven games. Kitty, you said it one more time, Blues in seven games. That sounded so professional. It did. Good well, on B. Yeah, on he him. said he had to really work to keep it at th- close to 30 seconds. That's funny. Um, he's got he does have a point Kemper is coming back from injury if you can get one then um if you if you win one of the first two like like I said you Have need to. to then you're looking at a situation where if for the for the avalanche to win in six games they win three out of the next four yeah that's that's a lot that's a lot to ask of a team so sure. uh, it, it's do it's doable for the blues and I hope they're able to but I think that I think we would have lost some credibility if all four of us ended no, up yeah. picking yeah, the yeah, blues that's yeah, for, sure. That's fair. for sure and if the blues make it past this round I think they could very well go all the way I think the avalanche are the team to beat in the playoffs right now like really I, I honestly outside of Colorado nobody really concerns me in the seven game series I think we could take them all right as exciting as the playoffs are the Blues getting underway on Tuesday night. We're going to go ahead and we're going to move on to our hometown our hometown Redbirds. It's been a while since we've talked about the Cardinals, who are off to a 19-15 and 15 start this season. Two and a half games behind the Brewers currently for the top spot in the Central. It's been a month. It's been a month since we talked about um, uh, the Cardinals. So there's really, there is a lot to talk about. So I'll just go ahead and I'll start off with this right here. Like we said, the Cardinals currently two and a half games back of Milwaukee. What do we like about this team right now? What do we dislike about what we're seeing? Let's let's just go ahead and let's kind of funnel through this. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the consistency in coaching throughout St. Louis sports. Berube made a good call, and I believe that the, the Cardinals are making a good decision with sending Paul Young down to the minors. I think that was extremely wise about of them. Time. Yeah, I know. Even looking at the Cardinals' uh, jersey sales, like the Young's still kind of close to the top because he's he just became a name. Blasphemy. I know. All-star. But I really do think Juan Yepes is really taking my eye. Like, he's a stud. Yeah, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from Juan Yepes as well. Just touching on, um, real quick, the Paul DeYoung discussion. Yeah, about time that he's gets sent down. It's hard for a guy to try and correct issues, like fundamental issues with his play at the major league level against the best players in the world. So I like the idea. You try to get him to correct. If he makes some adjustments, then he'll be back up with the big league club yep. at some point this season as much as Dylan probably hates that. Um, <laughs> Guy's got amnesia, forgot how to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> he will probably be back at some point this season. Um, moving to Juan Yepes now. Um, yeah, has he been fun to watch or what? Juan Yepes so far to start this season has been the jolt that this 
this lineup really needed. Um, 366 batting average, two home runs, four RBIs, and a OPS over a thousand. Um, cleanup, hitting cleanup, uh, and he's been he's played 11 games with the team, and, the, and I think the biggest, the best part about this is that the production that we saw from the outfield last year, so far to start the year off, has not been there this year, and Yepes is the exact revival that you needed for this team. I love what I'm seeing from Juan Yepes, and obviously. He's not even played baseball for two weeks at the major league level, so it's not like, okay, he's a cement in our lineup. But you have to like the start that you're seeing from him. And it, and it, it gives you a good feeling potentially about if some of these other guys are able to get going. Yeah, Yepes has been incredible to watch. I hope he keeps it up. Um, what I've really liked out of this team, our pitching has been phenomenal, um, especially out of the bullpen. Ryan Helsley has you know just been absolutely lights out, and it's been incredible yeah. to watch him blossom. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Just getting to watch Albert, Yachty, and Wayno every day has just been such a blast. You can tell they're having so much fun. You're talking about Albert. Are you talking about his pitching or are you talking about his hitting? Hall of Fame closer, Albert Pujols. (laughs) (laughs) Albert Pujols on the bump on Sunday night's game in an absolute creaming of the San Francisco Giants and ends up with an ERA of 36 uh, closing out his pitching career. But three greatest outs I think I've ever watched. One of two humans in world history to hit 600 home <laughs> runs and pitch in a major league game. Babe Ruth, Albert Pujols. That's what more do you need to know? He's five away from That's being the funny. all-time leader. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, no, I, I would agree. I think that the pitching, um, moving on a serious note, the actual pitching, not Albert Pujols, okay, gotcha. um, has been um, has held their own, right? I mean, you've had to deal with the injury of Flaherty. Or, I'm hoping he's back okay. in about a month. Um, is my fingers crossed for Jack Flaherty. Then you have um, Wainwright missing time. So you're really dealing with sticky situations. Your bullpen starts, Jordan Hicks. If it wasn't for Jordan Hicks getting moved to the rotation, then your rotation is in big trouble. Mm -hmm. But no, when you look back at it, I think that, I think a good way to describe it is they've held their own. They haven't been. um, Miles Michaels has stepped up in a big way. Yeah, they haven't been necessarily phenomenal, like top to bottom, but they've been able to get the job done enough to be able to have an above 500 record, keep keep in that area of keeping it close with the Brewers. So um, I, w- I would say it's been a decent start to the year for the rotation. Yeah, phenomenal is a strong word to use. We're going we're gonna to go a little papa bear, mama bear, baby bear. I'm the baby bear in this situation. Go for it. I really am not a fan of the fact that we have to have five or six pitchers every single game to close out a ser- close out a game. We can call that consistent by the fact that every single game we have five or six pitchers, that's consistent. But it's inconsistent in the sake of the rest of the league needs three or four. And so uh, I am not a big fan of that. I think in order for us to jump. Where are your stats on this? Where are my stats? Where are your stats Every time I look up on ESPN, it says there are five pitchers in the game. Well, I will say this. Baseball is moving more towards a starters are not going as as deep as they used to. Sure. Guys that used to go seven, eight innings are now going five, six innings. So that's becoming a little bit more normal. Bullpen starts. I, I think that, like you said, with the Cardinals not having their full rotation together at this point, um, I think that they're probably maybe a little bit above average in that category so far to the start of the year, but I think it's a little bit closer than you think is what I would say gotcha. to that. I'm just I'm comparing it to the Brewers, and every time I see the Brewers, the I'm pitchers, not seeing... The, the Brewers, to be fair, also have the one of the best pitching rotations in baseball. And that's the biggest hurdle for us winning the division, right? Is Yes, is but the they pitching. also have a very, very, very bad offense. Well, apparently not because they're two and a half games above us. Well, so. that's that's the that's the thing is you you look at when you when you even that out, the Brewers right now are not hitting the ball very well, but they're pitching really well. But we're also hitting it pretty inconsistently too. Yes, but the Cardinals are expected to have a better 
lineup than the Brewers, and I think that that will even out as the season goes along. I don't think that Dylan Carlson's going to end up with a batting average at 220 this year. I don't think Tyler O'Neill's going to take too much. Take too much. He stole that from me. Take too much longer to figure things out. Uh, Now that arbitration is passed, I think that it will. It'll. It won't be too much longer before things start picking up from for him. There's a lot of a lot of pressure when a guy's playing with arbitration. He's playing literally in those upcoming weeks for how much money he's going to be making. Yeah. So I don't think that that is something to be too concerned about. Once a couple of those guys get going, then that lineup really stretches out a little bit for you. Tommy Edmonds been great. Paul Goldschmidt's been scary the last month. Nolan Arenado's having one of the best starts of the season in, in baseball right now. So there are um, struggles, I'd say, from the areas in the lineup to start the year, but I think it's too early to be panicking is what I'd say. No. Two and a half games at this point in the season, it's not a big deal. Now, if you look back in, in September and you're still two and a half games back and you look to May, you can look to May to say, well, look at those early season issues we had. Then, sure, then you can yeah. say told you so to me, TJ. I, I, just, don't really, I just don't really see uh, what is, in my opinion, inconsistent pitching as a, yeah, we're guaranteed to win this year. No, general. I don't say I, I don't think I would say that we're guaranteed. I still would say that I'm relatively confident that the Cardinals, once that lineup gets figured out a little bit, once a couple of those guys, you know, pick things up, if, you know, they do like we hope they do, Jack Flaherty comes back and you hope he can pitch like an ace, then I feel a lot better about this team than I do right now. They've gone in a few seasons anyway. <laughs> That's not, he's got a point. He's LA got a, bounce, he's got a point Dodgers there. Angels. LA bounce. Yeah, I just I just feel like by the time yeah. we get this figured out, the Brewers will have clinched the division. That's that's my only thought. Dylan, let me ask you this: How concerned are you right now about Tyler O'Neill and his struggles to start the year? Uh, I'm not super concerned. It's you know it's somewhat alarming, but I think it's really all in his head right now. He has the physical tools, obviously, and he just needs to adjust his swing a little bit. I think right now it's just the confidence. Uh, spent a little less time in the weight room, more time in the batting cage. You I mean, know, he has a lot of confidence because of the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I would. I think I would agree with that. I think now that, like I said, now that arbitration has passed him, I think it's just a matter of time before he starts figuring things out. I will say this: I love what I'm seeing early in the year from guys like, or especially since DeYoung was sent down. Brendan Donovan, Edmundo yeah. Sosa. These yes. guys are filling in really well at the shortstop 100%. position, and because no- Norman Gorman. Norman. Norman Gorman. Norman Gorman. Nolan Gorman, because <laughs> Norman, because Norm Nolan Gorman has has struggled in some areas as far as his strikeout percentage at the minor league level. He hasn't been called up yet, and guys like Sosa and Donovan are taking advantage of that. So I love what I'm seeing from those aspects. Um, I think there is still a lot of potential for this Cardinals team. I think it's too early to be panicking about the things that we have for sure started the year off as concerns. Would you would you say that or would you say it's panic time? No, I don't think it's full panic time. I'm just saying the trajectory long term that I'm seeing gives me anxiety, gives me a little bit of angst. That's I think that I think you make a fair argument. And fair. so I think the only thing is right now we're seeing obviously the same issues. One of us is just saying Let's hold out a little bit. Yeah. And then one of us is saying, no, panic. Hit the yeah. panic button. I'm used to NFL, 17 <laughs> games. Every game that's, matters. That's fair. It's a little bit different at this level. Yeah. Okay, TJ, it's time for National Nine Talk. Take it away. Sure thing. NBA playoffs was this past week. Uh, actually, the past little while. But uh, which NBA playoff series uh, conclusion was most surprising to you guys? This is going to be a low-hanging fruit, but I have to go with the Suns-Mavericks conclusion. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That was just horrendous and honestly funny to watch. It was absolutely unacceptable on the behalf of the Suns, and 
you have to feel bad for Booker and Paul, but oh my at the end of the day, it's on their shoulders. They, you know, 10 points and 11 points in a game seven. DeAndre Ayton had five points, so yeah. it's not like That's they were... their big three, 25 yeah. points. It's not like they were cheated out of a win by referees or anything. You know, they just completely just collapsed in one of the most memorable collapses in, you know, yeah. playoff recent history in, in the NBA. Just real quick, I'll say I'll agree that, that was the most surprising, but I, I'll say relatively closely surprising is the Memphis Grizzlies winning one game without John Moran. I know, right? <laughs> winning one <laughs> game without John Moran. <laughs> okay, yeah, keep going. Yeah, and Celtics, uh, I think, taking a game seven, beating Giannis Antetokounmpo and the mm. uh, Bucks was pretty surprising. Blowing them out. Yeah. Which NBA team, uh, what two teams do you think will make it to the finals? The Warriors, the Mavs, the Celtics, or the Heat? Warriors and Celtics, Warriors and seven. Um, Warriors have too much experience for Dallas. It's probably a hot take, but uh, Poole will have to perform. Never bet against game six, Clay. Um, Heat Celtics will be a great series. Yeah, but I sure. think Celtics can do it this year, but yeah. Yeah, Ethan. No, the Miami Heat have not shown a weakness so far in this playoffs. They're going all the way. Oof. Miami, Miami against Golden State in the finals. And I think Miami's going to win it this year. They have they're they're just so we way can too agree we can agree about. that Golden State should just get a get a red carpet straight. Well, to the I think we probably, could, we probably could have said that about the Phoenix Suns too. To the I least this that. round, so nothing's guaranteed. That game that series will go at least six games. Yeah, Warriors right. Mavs. So mo- moving on. How about uh, you? Oh, what about me? Yeah, who's going? Oh, I think the Warriors and the Celtics. I think the Warriors and the Celtics. Who's winning? Get out of here. I think Warriors. Yes, now sir. You can, now you can uh, the Celtics. Moving. The Celtics are going to be the Goliath in that scenario, but I like. I like I'd like to clarify, I'm not a Warriors fan. Okay. Continue. Okay. Um, there's a rumor out there that Drew Brees might be making a comeback. <sighs> Me and Dylan kind of getting hyped. We didn't have him on this show just because he's a Saints fan. It's <laughs> Drew Brees in the National Nine, but how timely? Yeah. What do you Take guys think? Is this a legit possibility? No, I don't think it's real. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I think it was just a spiteful tweet, and I don't think he meant it to be cryptic. I think the internet's just reading too much into it. I don't think he's coming back. I think he'll spend more time with his family. Um, if he did come back, obviously I'd love it. It'd be great, but honestly he can't throw you know deep anymore, and a lot of the Saints receivers are deep threats, Olave, Harris, Callaway. Um, so, so are you saying Jameis Winston's a better option at quarterback than Drew Brees? I don't want to say that, but he almost is. I think Brees still is solely because of his football IQ and his veteran experience and presence, and he'll elevate the offense. But no, I don't think he's coming back. Sadly, I'd love to see him back. <laughs> I hope I get proven wrong, but I don't think he's coming back. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, moving on. Uh, so we were talking about a soccer player that I have trouble pronouncing the name of. Ethan, would you? <laughs> no, mind no, no, I want you to try it. No, okay. Uh, Killian Mbappe. Yes. Hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Give him the applause. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, turn that off. Yeah. Um, no, Killian Mbappe. Yeah. So the the big thing right now is that he has agreed to um, personal terms with Real Madrid ahead of the possible of a possible free transfer. Um, Mbappe, of course, one of the most well known players in the world. Five seasons with Paris Saint Germain. Um, it's looking like he's moving on to Real Madrid now. And this is after, I mean, obviously became so well known from the last World Cup um, in which he, I mean, became, that's, it's really where his, his fame struck. He was the best player for France. Pooped on everyone. (laughs) Two times, You say that too many times. I don't think, I don't think we've said it once before Dylan showed up on the show. Nope. So, I mean, (laughs) no, I think it's just, it's very interesting. I think Real Madrid, after Ronaldo left, I think it was a lot of, okay, 
what's the next direction for them, and then bringing in a guy like Kylian Mbappe, it just it, it instills that they're going to be a, they're still going to be a, a successful team yeah. for a long time. It's exciting to hear about soccer, considering St. Louis will be getting a team soon. Very very exciting. Maybe Mbappe can come here next. Wouldn't that be tight? That'd be so cool. <laughs> they could poop on everybody else, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to keep moving. Okay, right sell now. the arts uh, to afford them. Moving forward, back to back to the uh, back to NHL. Five of eight of the first round matchups in the Stanley Cup playoffs went to seven games. What in the world, guys? That was a ridiculous first round. Wild. What are your thoughts? So much fun, crazy. So was much that, fun. Was that you said wild? That, that was not a, fun. Not okay, intended. Okay, okay, okay. No, I think that uh, when, when you look at the series, the play as a whole. I mean, even going back specifically to Sunday night's game between Calgary and Dallas. I mean, into overtime, shots are completely favoring. Shot, 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 shot. Completely favoring Calgary. Um, Ottinger, shut up. <laughs> uh, Ottinger completely keeping Dallas in that series. I think he stopped like 59 of 61 or, or 59 to 62. Absolutely insane. So, I mean, just, that was a fun series to watch. No one expected Dallas to take that seven games. So, uh, that was really interesting. I mean, once again, Toronto chokes. I'll leave Brand or mm-hmm. Dylan to speak more wow. to that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I had uh, Jacob Markstrom and Jacob Ottinger as my fantasy goalies this year, so I was living well. But yeah, <laughs> no, it was a crazy series. Honestly, th- that series, uh, Flames Stars, really demoted my opinion of the Flames. I thought they could really go far, but flamed if, out. If <laughs> if the Stars took them the seven games and overtime, like I don't. I, honestly, that'll be a heck of a series with Edmonton, but I'm not as concerned about them how as about, I was. How about the Maple Leafs? Toronto, eh? Maple frauds. Maple frauds. Yeah. yeah. So um, the Maple Leafs have actually lost five straight game sevens. So they lost four in a row the past four years, and then they lost in 2013. Haven't won a playoff them. series since 2004. Redonk. Yikes. That's ins- when you look at that team, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander. John Tavares. John Tavares. Um, Jack Campbell. Jack All-Star. Campbell in, in net. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable that that team is – getting bounced in the first round every single year. I haven't won the Cups since 67. Someone's going to get fired. <laughs> Someone's going to get fired. You're getting fired, and you're getting fired. Everybody's you, getting fired. Your heart goes out to him, but you got to – it's funny to watch because the NHL just is very – I don't know the polite way to say it, but the NHL favors them a lot. So there you go. It's happy that to was see polite. them lose. That yeah. was polite. Kept a PG. Well yeah. I'll also say I'm really happy that McDavid is finally going to the next round. He's such a good player. I think he just – Hockey's it, better. Hockey's better when McDavid's in the playoffs, and he made it forward, so I'm really happy for him. And the, the, five the five Battle five of Alberta. I mean, those two teams hate Eight. each other. Yes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot watch. of Canadian impressions on my end while watching those games. A. Riots in don't the streets. Don't Go to a Timmy Hortons. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, the NFL released their schedules, and they ranked, and NFL.com ranked the easiest and the hardest schedules available. Um, I sent them to these fellas here in the room. Do you guys think there's a, a team that was maybe on the outskirts of the playoffs that's why, now in the playoffs? Why don't you quickly go through, like, sure, one sure. through ten just for each of them? So the ten easiest, according to NFL.com, Number one is the Giants, easiest schedule. Number two is the Ravens. Number three is the Cowboys, Seahawks, Commanders, Lions, 49ers, Eagles, Vikings, Panthers. Okay. Who the hell are the Commanders? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, ten, then the ten hardest. The ten hardest are the Steelers, Cardinals, Jets, Rams, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, Browns, Bengals. Granted, the NFC East has the easy, one of the easiest schedules because they're versing the NFC East, and the AFC West has the hardest schedule because they're versing the AFC West. But, guys, is there any team that maybe jumps into the playoffs or maybe gets demoted out of the playoffs because of this 
ease of schedule or difficulty of schedule. I'll say this: the Jets are jumping for joy right now because they got a top three draft pick coming in for another for Guaranteed. another year. I mean, but for real, like they built up, they improved in this year's draft, but they're not gonna. That's probably not going to show much on on the field this year. Too bad they so, don't I mean, have a quarterback. So I mean, yeah. they're all, but they're only going to continue developing. <laughs> so seriously, win for the Jets. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to say, for a team like the Arizona Cardinals, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I've been kind of on the fence. The It'll last NFC, too. And, like, and it's just confusing. It's weird. In the last couple of years, a team that's been kind of on the fence as far as figuring it out, they make the playoffs last year, and they get bounced in the first round from the Rams in a game that was not competitive from the start. Um, I I think that it's hard for me without figuring out exactly who I want my what I think that the NFC is going to look like as far as who are my seven teams um, it, to say that the Cardinals are not going to make the playoffs. But I'd say that there's What's up a with chance. you and being a Cardinals fan in every sport, man? What the well, hell? Yeah, 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 um, no, I would I would double down and say – well, not double down. I think the Ravens can make the playoffs just based on the fact that they, they have the second easiest schedule. I think the Rams aren't making it. You don't think the Rams are going to You are high. <laughs> Dylan, do you have an opinion? Uh, I don't think it really moves the needle that much. I think really the only big difference is it makes it just such an easier cakewalk for the Cowboys to the playoffs, even without Amari Pooper Scooper. Amari Cooper. Do you see them winning the division? Receiver. Oh, yeah, easily. They're winning the NFC. Easily. Yeah. Okay. Might have uh, a bet against you and Brandon. I like using stupid nicknames in case you can't tell. Amari That's fair. Cooper Scooper. Those but are the teams you root for. Also, you heard it here, probably not first, but my hot take is the Broncos are not making the playoffs. Yikes. Yikes. I guess we'll have to. How dare you start time. a fight with me with five seconds left? Five seconds the in the national nine. National nine. You say that? You jerk. You're not coming you. back on the show. You're out. <laughs> You're out of here. Get him out of here. Get out of here. All right. All right. That's enough of that. Well, we're done. National nine now national wraps up, concluded. and normally when the national nine concludes, it means that our show is concluding. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in to all you, Dylan. Thank you so much for joining us. A round of applause. Yeah, everybody give a round of applause. Yeah, Thank you so much, Dylan. Right, you're never coming back. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> um, Unless we're talking about for that Broncos comment. I'm, I'm going. Lou Sports Talk underscore on yeah. social media, yeah, Instagram, Twitter and, and Instagram. Twitter. Be sure to follow us there for more updates on when things are getting posted and just all kinds of interesting stuff for St. Louis Sports Talk. For sure. And even hearing more about the guys who are part of the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Sure. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.